This week we are focusing on uh, loving your neighbor week. And I believe this is a uh, very good thing for us as a church to do because I think that if we as a church are not doing what God has called us to do, um, then there's really no purpose of us actually meeting together. Um, God has left us here on this earth to further his kingdom. And we do that by sharing God's love. We do that by sharing God's praise. We do that by um, allowing the word of God to transform our lives. So in turn, we go and we make a difference uh, wherever God has planted us. And so this morning, I really want to hone in on, on loving your neighbor And uh, I got some things here that uh, we'll pass out uh, in a while that I think will be a help to you. And, you know, one of the things that we as elders were discussing was it is our duty, it is our job to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And that's what we are supposed to be doing. As we lead, as we teach the Word of God, as we... um, expound on the scriptures, we are to be putting and placing in your hands the tools that are necessary for you to actually do the work of the ministry. And that's what we're going to do here uh, this morning is give you some tools that will help you and enable you uh, to do so. So Luke chapter number 10, uh, it talks about, uh, many of us are familiar with this passage of scripture. And I hadn't studied it in quite some time. And after looking into it and studying, um, God revealed to me some things in my own life that I needed to change. Revealed to me some things that that I needed to do differently uh, so that I could accurately love my neighbor as what Jesus told me to do. During the course of your life, how many people do you think you'll meet? I got a hypothetical equation here for you, okay? On average, uh, most of us will live 78.3 years. Say, where did you get the point three? I don't know, but that's average, 78.3 years. Now, most of us remember people uh, that we meet after the age of five. And we assume that we interact with three new people every single day of our life. Now, given that a year is 365 days, but you take into account a leap year, so it's 365.24. So in total, here's the equation, 78.3 minus 5 for the five years times three people that you meet each year times 360. 5.24, in the course of your life, you will meet 80,000 people. Some of us say, I don't even remember who I met yesterday. (laughs) But we do. We meet that many people over the entire course of your life. Now, these are people that you you interact with. These may be the person at the... uh, at the cash register as you're checking out, might be uh, somebody that you say hi to as you're walking down the street, but you interact, you come in contact with at least 80,000 people over the entire course of your life. Now, of those 80,000 people, some of them are just 
those quick encounters. Some of them are coworkers. Some of them are family members. Some of them are next door neighbors. Some of them we form long, meaningful relationships with. But how many of those people, of those 80,000 people, do we actually impact in our entire life? Well, with coworkers from one-man operations to Walmart-sized corporations, you will impact 25 people in your lifetime. So if you work a job somewhere, you will impact at least 25 people where you work in your co-working, your people that you work with. With family, the average person has at least two children, and you might see three generations of your family, so a total of 14 people in your family that you will impact. With friends, they say on average you will form at least 150 relationships during the course of your life. Now, some of us that are on Facebook, we have like 400 friends. We all know that that's not true, right? (laughs) Add friend, add friend, add friend, right? Um, But the reality is, is that we have contact with people. And this is where this draws us to Luke chapter number 10, because Jesus gives these words and he says that we are to love our neighbor. So that brings us here to this text here. And this morning, we're going to see a conversation that Jesus is having with a lawyer. And this lawyer is very skilled in asking questions. He's very skilled in interpreting the law. He's very skilled in explaining the law. And basically, he comes up to Christ and he says, "Uh, Teacher, Master, um, what should I do that I might gain eternal life? And Jesus says, well... You're a a lawyer. What does the the scripture say? What what does the law teach you? How do you interpret it? And the man very plainly says, well, you're to love God and you're to love others. Jesus says, hey, you got it. You are right on spot. But this lawyer, wanting to justify himself, then asks this question. He says, well, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? It almost seems as if Jesus here is telling this man that you, can etern- that you can gain eternal life by keeping the law. We, of course, know that that's not true. The Bible tells us that the law is a schoolmaster that brings us to faith in Christ, that teaches us of our need of Jesus. And so this man was not going to gain eternal life by keeping the law. But Christ was trying to point him to himself, saying that you've got to love God supremely. You've got to love others. You have to turn. You have to repent of your sins. You have to trust in me. And so this man, he knows the law, but he tries to desire to justify himself. And he says, who is my neighbor? We might all look at this man. We might say, why in the world did he ask such a question like that? Why did this man ask a question of who is my neighbor? Why does he ask that? Well, because we read in in six other places in the scriptures that these lawyers would use these questions to try to trick Jesus, to try to trap him in his words. And Jesus, of course, knowing all this, he's smarter than that. He has the full wisdom of God. He is God. And he knows all of these things. And so he, in turn, turns the question and he tells us a story. He gives us a parable. And so Jesus 
answers this lawyer's question by giving this parable about the Good Samaritan. So let's pick up our text here, and uh, we'll begin reading here in verse number 30. First of all, an accurate description. Who is my neighbor? Luke chapter 10, verse number 30 says this. Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. That's the description that Jesus gives of this neighbor. A man that fell among robbers, a man that was stripped, a man that was beat, and a man that was left half dead. Now this scene here gives us the accurate description about this man that was on his way to Jericho. This road that this man was traveling on was a very dangerous road. It was, it was known as, as having uh, thieves and robbers uh, always there, bandits hung out there. This road was known as uh, being a very difficult road to travel. This road during the time was known as the way of blood because of all the bloodshed that was shed on this very road. And no doubt about it that the disciples that were here in this story and also this lawyer, they knew about this road that Jesus was talking about. And Jesus says, this road this man was traveling on encountered some bandits, he was stripped, he was beaten, and he was left for half dead. Jesus shares with the lawyer and his disciples about this man. And I'm sure everybody in that room around that scene knew exactly what Jesus was talking about as he was saying, look, this is a man that has fallen into hard times. This is a guy that has been left for dead. This is a man that I'm going to give you an accurate description about. He had been attacked. He had been stripped. He had been beaten, mutilated, and left half dead. Now, many of us would look at that and say, there's no way that that person is not my neighbor. Because next door, my neighbor, he's got clothes on. He, he mows his grass. He doesn't look beaten or mutilated. Everything looks fine. But Jesus is giving us an accurate description of what our neighbor looks like. Notice where this man was traveling to and where he was coming from. The Bible says that he was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now you have to ask yourself a question. What was this man doing in Jerusalem? Was he there to buy meat? Was he there to get groceries? What was in Jerusalem? The temple, that's right. Possibly this man was living in Jericho and he decided to go up to Jerusalem to worship. Maybe because that's where he heard that that's where you do go to worship. Could have been that he was there in Jerusalem. Maybe he was worshiping God. Maybe he wasn't. The Bible really doesn't say. But the Bible is very clear that he was in Jerusalem and he was going back down to Jericho. Whatever his story is, we don't know other than the fact that he fell among robbers. This man encountered a terrible situation in his life. There were some things that happened that maybe he wasn't expecting, or maybe he was, or maybe he was traveling with, uh, with some type of form of protection. And maybe the robbers just came out of nowhere and it just happened upon him. We don't really know. But we do know that this man fell among robbers 
He was beaten. He was stripped of his clothes. And then he was left for half dead. So maybe this lawyer was expecting a different answer from Jesus about who his neighbor really is. Jesus, however, always gives us a different side to look at. This lawyer was wanting to justify himself. In word, he declared, God, I love you. He said, in word, God, I love my neighbor. But now Jesus is turning the picture and he's saying, okay, I'm going to give you an accurate description of what your neighbor looks like. Do you still love your neighbor? And as we go through this story, you'll see how the Lord really just pulls out some things and shows us exactly the condition of our own heart. So in word, he declared, God, I love you. God, I love others as myself. But when his pride got in the way and wanted to justify his heart before God, who is my neighbor? Jesus gives him an accurate description of what his neighbor really looks like. Now, Jesus is going to go a little bit further in here, and he's going to start to probe a little bit, and he's going to start to reveal exactly what our hearts really are. Jesus is going to show us we're really not all that in a bag of chips. Jesus is going to show us that we really don't love our neighbors. Jesus is really going to show us that really we're just prideful, And all we do is just care about ourselves. Let's continue reading here. So we have an accurate description. Notice, secondly, Jesus reveals our hearts. Mark chapter 10, verse 31 through 32. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Now, these next few verses here really show us and tell us the condition of our own hearts. Because he brings two other characters into this story. So here's the man. He's been left half dead, and he's on this road. Now, how long was he laying there? I don't know. I mean, chances are it could have been a hot day. The sun was beating down on him. I mean, he's he's got wounds. He's probably bleeding really bad. His head's probably been cracked open with a rock. I mean, this guy is in terrible shape. Maybe the buzzards are starting to come over. I mean, it's a bad situation. Now, by chance, Jesus introduces these two other characters. He introduces to us a priest and a Levite. Now, surely we'd think, okay, a priest and a Levite. These are supposed to be God's people, right? They're supposed to be helping this man. I mean, here's a guy. I mean, he's been left half dead. Surely we should help this guy. But notice what happens. Jesus tells a story here of the priest and the Levite. Now, you have to ask yourself a question. Why would Jesus both say priest and Levite? Why? I mean, isn't priest and Levite the same thing? In the Old Testament, all the Levites, all the priests were Levites. But not all the Levites were priests. The priest, obviously... They administered, they, they served in the temple. But the Levites here that weren't priests, they aided the priest. In other words, so if the priest has, uh, is going to serve and he's going to do some things, usually it was the Levites that would come and help him set up. They'd maybe get all the furniture together. Maybe they'd get all the things in place in order so the priest could serve. So the Lord here says it was the priest and a Levite, these two men 
come down this road to do this. Now, they were common travelers on this road because remember where the road goes to? goes to Jerusalem. Now, Jericho was known as a city of priests. So this is what would happen. The priests, Levites, they'd be living in Jericho. And during a course of a time, they would travel down that road to Jerusalem. They'd get to Jerusalem, and they would stay in Jerusalem, and they would administer, they would, they would serve in the temple for a length of time. And after that time was up, then they would go back to Jericho. And this is something that they did. So this was a common thing for them to travel this road all the time. So here they are. They know that the road is dangerous. They know that there's bandits on this road. And they see a guy that obviously has been beaten. He's obviously uh, been stripped. And obviously he's been left there half dead. They know that this man needs help. But what happens? I mean, these are God's people. Notice what happens. It says here, a priest. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So here's the road. This guy is over here. I mean, he's in terrible shape. Here comes the priest. And can you imagine? He's probably walking with all of his garments and stuff on, and he just... Ugh. <laughs> and passes right by. I mean, doesn't even give a thought to this man and the help that he needs. And more than likely, this man that was laying on the side of the road was a Jew. This was a, this was a brother of his. This was somebody that, that was shared in the same blessings of God. And yet he wouldn't even help him. And then it says here, likewise, the Levite. So this Levite here is now going. Now, I love this. It says, by chance, by coincidence, by coincidence that this priest passed by, and now the Levite comes, and the Levite goes a little bit further. Here's the guy laying on the side of the road. The Levite starts to walk by, and he sees him, and maybe he goes up to him, and he's looking, and he goes, boy, buddy, you're in bad shape. Hope you get some help. <laughs> then he continues to walk on. It's unbelievable that how the Lord shows us the exact condition of our hearts. Now, many of us would say, now, come on, Mike. I wouldn't do that. If I saw some guy laying on the side of the road that needed help, I'd stop. I'd try to help him. Would we? Because the Lord's going to really tell us and show us exactly how unloving we are as human beings. The Levite here, he stops just for a little while and then continues. This is what is so revealing about them is that they had just spent their time reading from the law. They had spent their time reading from the prophets. They had spent their time ministering in the house of God. And yet they pass by on the other side without a thought or a care to help this individual. No time to help out God's creation and love God and love others. They were in such a hurry. The next part of this story is the most revealing to us because it shows us that God's love comes from some of the most unexpected places 
Notice what it says here, number three, the unexpected neighbor. Mark chapter 10, verse 33 through 35. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. But a Samaritan. Now I'm sure that the area where Jesus was teaching this, I'm sure the tension just kind of got really intense. Because here's these priests, here's these Levites that won't even give a care about this man laying on the side of the road, half dead. And now Jesus says, but a Samaritan came by. Can you imagine the, 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 the animosity that was welling up in these, these men's hearts, especially even this lawyer that says, well, God, I, I love you. I love others. Who's my neighbor? And Jesus gives him this story, but a Samaritan God is showing to us an unexpected gift to show us his love. He chose to use a Samaritan to show compassion to this man. The one that is not expected is the one that shows compassion. Who was the Samaritan? Well, if you remember, as we've been reading in the book of Hosea, pretty soon, Hosea has been pronouncing judgment. God's judgment is going to come upon the nation of Israel And the people are going to be carried away into Babylon. And there they're going to spend their time in Babylon. And the king of Babylon, the king of Assyria, is going to place in the cities of Samaria men that do not know God, men that are heathen. And these men are going to end up having relations with the Israelites. And then they are going to have offspring. And the Samaritans were a half-breed of Heathen and Israelites. And the Jews hated the Samaritans. They hated them. And so God says, this Samaritan man comes, one that does not even know God, has compassion upon this other man that's on the road. If the man that was left for half dead was a Samaritan... And it was a Jew that was approaching him. Would he have left him in his state? More than likely. Because here's a man that he hates. Here's a man that he doesn't want anything to do with. Well, probably served him right. In fact, the Jews thought that by having dealings with Samaritans, it would actually bring judgment upon your own house. They thought it was almost like bad luck. Like, Hey, uh, you know, Joe the Samaritan over there, he's got five chickens for sale. And, you know, uh, Rob the rabbi over here, he's got chickens for sale. And Rob the rabbi is charging twice as much. I'm going to go do business with uh, Joe the Samaritan. And they thought if you have dealings with them, you would actually bring bad luck upon your own house. That's how much they hated and despised these people. But notice what the Samaritan does. The Samaritan stops. The Samaritan has compassion. He binds his wounds. He pours in the oil and the wine. 
He puts him on his own animal. He tends him and puts him up in a hotel, not just for the night, but to get better. The Samaritan then does this. He gives the innkeeper two denarii, which is basically two whole days worth of wages. Then he went a little further and he even opened up a credit account with the innkeeper. And he says, whatever other charges this man needs, whatever food he eats, whatever things he has, he says, just put it on my bill. When I get back, I'll pay it all. So this half-breeded, non-religious heathen is the hero in this story that Jesus tells. He is the unexpected neighbor that shows compassion on the needy. Now, if I can just illustrate this here just for a moment. Uh, Jonathan, let me borrow you. Uh, And uh, uh, Jeffrey, let me borrow you. You got any money? Let me see. Yeah, we'll take both of that. Okay. So, um, this is his two days' wages, okay? I'm sure you probably get paid more than that, right? Okay, good. So, here's two days' wages. Now, is that everything you have? Come on, give it all. Just give me your wallet. (laughs) All right. So, here's a story, okay? This is the man that's been beaten. He's been stripped. He's been left for half dead, okay? Now, this man here, he is in terrible, terrible, terrible shape. Samaritan happens to come by, okay? Now, you love him, right? He's your brother, right? If it was your brother that was laying on the side of the road that needed help, would any of this matter to you? It wouldn't. I mean, you would give anything you possibly could give to help him and aid him to help him get better. I mean, you would probably go as far as make sure you you got cards in here too, right? Okay, good. I mean, you would go as far as you could. I mean, chances are you'd probably even go out and take out extra loans to help him if your brother was in trouble. And he needed the help. Okay. Do you have any enemies in your life? I'm sure you do. (laughs) We all have people in our lives that kind of, you know, just get at us. Now, if it was your enemy that was laying on the side of the road, would you give everything that you have to help him? Probably not. I wouldn't either. And see, that just shows us, that shows us inwardly that we don't really love people. Because we will only love somebody if we actually have a, have a deep connection with that person and, and we are willing to help that person because, you know, we have a connection with them. But if that person had done us wrong, if that person had cheated us, if that person had, had been rude to us or unkind to us, there's no way that we'd give everything that we can to help that person. But see, that's the exact teaching here of this story that Jesus is trying to get across to us. He's saying, you've got to love your neighbor. And see, all of us say, well, yeah, I love my neighbor. I'm willing to help out my neighbor. But what if your neighbor, just for example, 
okay? Let's just say your neighbor was a Muslim. Would you help him? If he was lying on the side of the road, hurting, and you knew this man was a Muslim, would you help him? Most would say, no way. He's, he's got what he's, yeah, no, no, no. You, you got what you deserve, buddy. We wouldn't help him. See, that's how radically that Jesus is trying to show us the condition of our own hearts. He's saying you are to love God and you are to love people. People includes everybody. It doesn't matter. And so we are to love them. We are to show care and compassion. This Samaritan didn't know this guy. In fact, he was an enemy of this guy. But the Samaritan loved him. He gave him everything. Gave him every, I mean, he gave him all of his day's worth of work. Plus, he even opened up a credit account and said, whatever, you, whatever extra this man has, put it on my account. Just charge it to me. When I get the bill, I'll pay it. I'll give you everything. And so that shows us our own hearts, our own condition of our heart, that we really don't love people. We only love those whom we have close interaction with. But if it's an enemy, if it's somebody we don't dislike, we really don't love them like we should. Here you go. There's your money. Thank you. Appreciate it. So this is an unexpected neighbor that came on this road that the Lord used so that this person could get the help that he needed. This Samaritan did not know this individual. He had no connections with him. He did not owe him anything. He was completely driven by compassion. And he saw a need and he took action in that. Let's look here lastly now. Jesus' command repeated. So now the Lord answers this lawyer's question of who is my neighbor. In Mark 10, 27, he said, And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus was asking this question to the Jew about which person, the Levite, the Jew, the priest, or the Samaritan, or your enemy. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, well, obviously, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus says, You go and do likewise. You see, our neighborhood here is not impressed. They are not impressed with our religious piety. They don't care about that. They don't care about how many times you pray. They don't care how many times you attend church. They don't care how many times you read your Bible. They don't care. They're not impressed by that whatsoever. Our neighborhoods are made up of individual needs. People that need compassion. People that need mercy. We're not going to go out and we're going to find somebody that's beaten, stripped naked, and half dead. Jesus took it to an extreme there. We're not going to see that. But what we are going to see is we're going to see people that have needs that need compassion 
Jesus repeats the command here by saying, go and do likewise. 34 times, 34 verses here are found in God's word that tells us how we are to act to our neighbors. I'm just going to sum it up for you. We are to love, be sympathetic, be compassionate, do good, build others up, carry others' burdens. We are not to be motivated by selfish ambition. We're to do it for their good, to show hospitality to strangers, never withhold kindness, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow, honor others above yourself, and consider the benefit of others above yourself. So where can we be helpful? To whom can we show God's love in a tangible way? Who is your neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Anyone and everyone. That's what Jesus is trying to get us to show us here. Anyone and everyone is your neighbor. Christ here is our great example of that because he came to us as sinners. He came to us, the people that were beaten We were left, we've been stripped naked, and we've been left half dead. And Jesus came to us, and he showed us compassion, he showed us mercy, and he gave to us. Did he owe us anything? No. Do we deserve anything? No. But Jesus did that, and he's our greatest example of that. God's word tells us to be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also loved us. This love that we are to show represents a power of sacrifice, as the Word of God says, hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. We, us, who have been redeemed by God's love, all of us who know Jesus as Christ as our Savior, For us that have been redeemed by God's love and compassion, those of us that who have been set free from the tormentors, we are to show this same type of love towards others that Christ has shown us. The love of God will be fed by the love of your neighbor. And the love of your neighbor will be fed by the love of God. All of us in here might say, hey, I love God, but do we love our neighbor? Because the Bible's very clear about this. John wrote this. He said, dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see how can we love God whom we cannot see.